podcast no matter what level runner you are and whether you prefer road or trail running or both you will find this podcast informative motivating inspiring and entertaining we have interesting guests running related information inspirational stories about real runners and much more now here's your host and a longtime runner himself jim lynch aloha runners what's happening how do you like that smooth jazz intro because of this episode i wanted to mellow it down a little bit because it's a pretty powerful episode so in case you're wondering my name is jim lynch this is my podcast feel good running welcome to it to all of my regular listeners like i say every episode thank you so much for supporting the show and sharing this with your running friends and on your social media platforms and if you're brand new to my podcast welcome and i hope you enjoy it and if you do take a listen to some of the other episodes and subscribe on apple Podcasts. that would really help out so welcome i'm in hawaii yes i'm in maui and i'm the course director for this year's maui marathon and i recorded this before i left denver so let's see yesterday would have been the marathon and i have no idea how it turned out but i'm sure it was successful and i will share some thoughts on it in my next episode and because i'm out here Actually, after the marathon, I'm going to take some vacation time. As you know, I lived in Maui for eight years, so it's going to be nice to be back again. So I'll have some new episodes out in about three weeks. Usually I try to do every two weeks, and so this will be three weeks. So thanks for your patience, and uh, don't abandon me, okay? Stay with me. All right, this episode is going to be short and sweet as far as my talking. I am re-releasing an interview that I did back in 2019 with Bonnie Vendera. Now, this is a very powerful episode. It is all about survival of this woman who went through a very, very horrific ordeal and her fight to survive. And she's doing very well these days since our interview. She released an autobiography titled The Making of a Wonder Woman, which is available on Amazon. And I have links to order the book in the show notes for this episode at feelgoodrunning.com. It's worth the read, let me tell you. And she also completed this year in February, the Ascension Seton Austin Marathon. And she did it in six hours, 48 minutes and 30 seconds, which is absolutely remarkable. Once you listen to my interview with her, you'll fully understand how remarkable this woman is. You and I, we have normal lives. We do our daily routine. Don't think twice about it. Probably take our life for granted. Bonnie doesn't. She lives every day, five minutes at a time. And you'll understand again why when you listen to the interview. Bonnie is a survivor. There's no doubt about it. So take some time to listen to this interview. You may look in the mirror and say to yourself, I appreciate and I'm grateful for my life. So now here's me talking to Wonder Woman, Bonnie Vandera. First of all, Bonnie, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. You know, you, your, your story is pretty, pretty incredible, in my opinion. Uh, I found you, I get a news feed, and I found you through uh, one article that was done in Runner's World on you. And I think I read it three times, and I, you know, I think it's hard to believe your story as far as where you were and where you've come to. But let's go back go way back before we get into your real story here of what what's going on. You're from Michigan? Well, I was born in Michigan. And then when my sister and I were in junior high, we moved to Indiana. So between Michigan and Indiana. Were you were you um what part of Michigan? We moved all over. Uh, I was born in Ypsilanti. Then we lived in the 
Upper Peninsula for three or four years. And then we moved to, like, it was somewhere around Kalamazoo. And then we moved to South Bend, Indiana. Interesting. First of all, I've been to the Upper Peninsula, Houghton, Hancock, Michigan. And I drove down through over the, uh, what is it, the Mackinac Mackinac Bridge? Yes. Yeah, and then you get back into the you know, regular part of Michigan, been to Kalamazoo, been all over uh, that area. So I'm real familiar with it. Um, well, why'd you choose to go to South Bend? Um, Cause that's where my mom and dad moved us. Ah, okay. So you had no choice in the matter. <laughs> no. They just threw you in the car and said, we're moving to South Bend, Indiana. Yep. Pretty much. No, not really. Um, no, dad got a job there. Okay. So that makes sense. So you mentioned your sister a lot. It sounds like you're very close. Well, we're identical twins. So identical. Yes. Wow. Same birthday. Oh, yes. I would assume that it probably is if you're identical twins. Right. Unless we're born at, you know, midnight. Then that would be. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) Understand. (laughs) Um, Right. So. You're still, I assume, very close to your sister. Does she live by you? Um, She is in North Carolina, and we are both paramedics. I know. I read that. Tell me about that. First of all, you went, where did you go to college at? Um, It was in northern Wisconsin, so where my parents wanted me to go. Okay. Um, And then um, I've done a bunch of classes out at one of the schools in Tulsa too, since I moved out here. But, um, my sophomore year in college, I took a first responder class and cause you know, I just wanted to know what to do in an emergency. Right. And that's when I fell in love with EMS and I've never been the same since. So <laughs> tell me t- for the listeners out there, um, explain first of all, what EMS is and then explain what you, uh, what, what that career involves. Um, so EMS is emergency medical services. Um, it's who shows up when you call 911. Um, sometimes you can, EMTs and paramedics can, you know, work in the emergency room too. So like a first responder, they know CPR, how to check your blood pressure, you know, simple things like that. Um, the short assessments, that sort of stuff. And then there's EMT basic. Um, the titles vary a little bit by state, but, um, there's an EMT basic, which is, well, basic stuff, um, assessment, CPR, vitals. And then there's a middle level. Um, it very, that varies by state. Some, some places call it intermediate, some call it advanced, but they can do everything that EMT can do, but they also start like and can interpret some of the heart rhythms and give some, um, cardiac medications, that sort of thing mm-hmm. and start IVs. And then a paramedic can do all of that, can innovate, can interpret 12 lead EKGs, treat them, innovate a patient, give all sorts of drugs skills skill wise we can do more than an rn Mm -hmm. so they just know more did you did you get into um being a paramedic when you took your first responder course it was it in 1997 yes that's when i um took my first responder and then um it just kind of went on from there i knew what i wanted to do and it was just a process of getting there i was an emt basic for i don't know five or six years and then I went to paramedic school. So I think total, well, I don't know. It's been, well, if you start from first responder, it's like 21, 22 years. That is a so. long time. You must be super, super, super skilled. <laughs> or crazy. I don't know. You know, reading your, reading all your, uh, through all your stuff, I, I get this impression that you have a, you're, you're, you're a giver. And you really like to help people. And I think being in that profession is really a giving 
field to be into because you're you're saving lives actually uh yep. in what you do and uh you you have to be you know 100% passionate about it because the situations that you run into I'm sure you know you got to know right away I, it, it you don't yep. have you have seconds to save right. somebody right i mean it could be anything from a toothache in the middle of the night to you know a major trauma or cardiac arrest or you know how did you your sister get involved too. Was it because of you or did you get involved because of her or decide on that career? <laughs> it depends on which one of us you ask. Um, I'm trusting so took- you the most. <laughs> Good answer. So I took that first responder course and then like the next, like a year later, basically she took the same thing and then she had the same thing happen. She knew that's what she wanted to do. So technically I started first, but she she'll she'll say the first responder doesn't count, and I say it does count. But you know, so that's a debate. But anyways, the whole sisterly, you know, fighting thing. Right, sibling um, fighting. <laughs> yeah, but um, she as far as EMT goes, she started that before I did, so she's been. Like EMT and then paramedic longer than I have. Is she, she does this in the Carolinas? Yes. Uh-huh. It's interesting that you both, you know, first of all, you're identical twins. And second of all, you chose the same career too. That's, uh, that's pretty, pretty interesting right there. That, that <laughs> could be actually a whole story in itself. <laughs> right. When you were in uh, Indiana, you weren't a paramedic. Huh. Were you a paramedic in Indiana or did you do that when you moved down to Tulsa? Um, I, yeah, I did it all in Indiana. I got my EMT basic and then went to paramedic school and, oh, here's a funny twin story. So my sister and I, of course, we did paramedic school at different times, but we had the same paramedic instructor. And so, of course, my sister was going through the class first. and so. One night I went to class for, and (laughs) he totally fell for it. Didn't even know it was me instead of her. And then when it was break time, we switched back. And then she went and told him, and she's like, hey, Tony, did you know we switched? And he didn't believe her until we were both, like, right in front of him. No kidding. So (laughs) So then when I took the class, by then he knew, like, the differences between us and um personality and you know the whole shebang but so when i was taking it we would just you know threaten to switch but we never did after that time did he become skeptical and would look at your sister and uh and say hmm are you who are you yeah yeah I mean mostly with my sister because uh-huh. he was still, you know, learning differences, but so. so so was there a difference between both of you, or were you both just good actors? Oh, there's differences. Mm-hmm. You know, she's more. She might punch me for saying this, but I think she's more serious, and I'm more like mischievous. Got it. All right. Yeah. Well, please let us know if she punches you for that. <laughs> we would. We'd really like to know that. Okay, I will. <laughs> that's a that's a good uh that's a good difference of balance there. I, I like that quite a bit. Yep. So you you actually moved to Tulsa for a career. Yes. It was about well, July will be eight years since I moved out here. And um the job I had in Indiana was just I mean, I was paramedic, but it was like pretty much going down the tubes and in Indiana, there isn't a whole lot for, like, EMT paramedics if you aren't also in the fire side of things. So, I just started looking for, you know, better job. And I had I applied all over. And I, you know, North South Carolina, I forget where else, but obviously Oklahoma. And I had never even been to Oklahoma before the job interview. So, they, they called me on a Monday and we scheduled an interview. Like my interview was going to be like I don't know the Thursday or something like that. And so Monday, I emailed him and I said, "I don't know what I'm thinking. 
I don't have money to move out there. <laughs> so then, like, the guy called me the next day, and he's like, what can we do to help you? And I said, I told him again, we didn't, I didn't have the money for it. And he's like, well, you know, we have relocation assistance bonuses and sign-on bonus. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. So then drove out here for the interview, and um, they gave me the job offer that night. And I had two weeks to go home, pack everything up, and move out here. So they must have been very impressed with your credentials. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, they, they seem to be really weaning you to come down there and offer you yeah. the relocation package and um, yeah. see you. So you 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 had probably a very good resume behind you, and and that's why they wanted you. Did you have a desired uh, place that you wanted to go to, or or were you willing to just take whatever you could get that would advance your career? Um, it was pretty much like anywhere. Like the job would be an improvement over what I had in Indiana. The skills we could use, the I don't know equipment, that sort of thing, the pay benefits, whatever. Well, it obviously for for being down there as in in Oklahoma as long as you have been there, it it must have been it must have paid off pretty well for you as far yes. as you know your career. Now, were you in Tulsa? When one of your colleague paramedics asked you to do a 5K? Yes. my It was my EMT on that, um, at the job in Tulsa. And we were sitting in the ambulance one day. And she's like, "Would you, will you do a 5K with me? And she's, you know, she, she wasn't skinny by any means. And she had never ran at all either and her asthma was like way worse than mine so I just like literally laughed at her so we talked about it and she like there is one in February it's called the sweetheart run in Tulsa she liked what the money was being donated for so that's why she picked that one so we would meet you know on our days off and attempt to run what is huh? what is an attempt to run how, how does that work well, you know, when you've never ran before. You're kind of just uh, taking a couple faster steps than just walking, right? <laughs> right. And, you know, puffing on the inhaler and mm. thinking, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Running had always been like a childhood dream. And it kind of got buried deep down over the years. And so when she asked me that, it really struck home or struck a nerve, whatever. So I, you know, agreed to it. And then, uh, <laughs> so our training greatly needed help, but like there wasn't that much, but you know, I went and did the 5k. She, uh, bailed, uh, bailed on me. And so I told her, I was like, you, you might not be doing this race, but you better be there to support me. Was she? Yes, she was. You know, now I look back at the picture from that race and I'm like, I had no clue what I was doing, like even what to wear, because I was dressed like I was going to be a speedy, fast runner. So you, you dress for the part, but you at that point, that was your first race ever. And you right. had no idea what you were doing, doing going right. into it. <laughs> yeah. And I froze, but I did it and I crossed the finish line. And my life was changed for forever from that finish line. What did you feel when you crossed the finish line? Oh, it was incredible and exhilarating. I don't know, shocking <laughs> that I actually ran a race. So. You know, that's, that's, that happens so much. What I love, one of my favorite things is when somebody gets into running and they don't think that they can do what they set out to do and then they cross that finish line and it's so exhilarating and it's so emotional. I know, ex I know the exact feeling how you feel or felt at that time. What year was that? Um, you're going to make me think. Um, as long as you okay. don't make me think, uh, we're all good here. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, 2014. Let's okay. See. So about, Five years ago, six years ago? Yeah. 
And so yeah. after your first 5K, what were your what was your next race and 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 what did you do to get more and more into running at that time? Did you join a group out there or find some other runners or how how did that all come about um your progression? Well, I of course kept signing up for 5Ks and just like on my own. And then um over the course of time I met some you know, running buddies. I couldn't do like an official running group because of my work schedule, but I did meet up with some, you know, meet some friends that way. And then they got me, there's a, through the Cherokee Nation out here, there's a, they do a, like a wings program where if you're a member, you can run like the their 5Ks and 10Ks for free. They pay your fee or whatever. Oh, that's nice. So I started doing that. And, um, got even more races. And then, you know, after I'd done like a bunch of 5Ks, I was like, well, let's do a 10K. Yeah, we need to step it up a little bit here. <laughs> right. And then I did a couple 10Ks and I'm like, well, if I can do a 10K, what's a half marathon? <laughs> so my first half marathon was the Route 66 in Tulsa. That was my first half. It was also my first full marathon, like, I think it was a year after the first half, but maybe two years. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, so then I I did a bunch of halves, and of course then that wasn't enough, so I had to do a full. And I don't know about doing anything farther than a full right now, but maybe. Yeah, I, won't, well, I, won't. I, I haven't gone... <laughs> Over that, uh, I don't do marathons anymore. I, I I figured 101 is enough for me. I do a lot of uh, halves and 10Ks and 5Ks. But um, yeah. I think your first marathon, kind of digging around on you, was the Route 66 marathon. And I think you did that in uh, in November of 2016. Yeah, that sounds right. And... Uh, you were you came in at around seven hours, which is very admirable. Yeah. And then didn't you the following year do Chicago? Yes. And I took almost an hour off my time. You're right. It was six oh seven fifty one. That's exactly what you did at that yep. race. I love the Chicago Marathon, by the way. I think uh yeah. that's that's such a I PR there. That was my PR, but I just find they do such a good job. It's so, so exhilarating to run mm-hmm. through the city and and the spectators, crowds. It's just phenomenal. Um, yeah, you know it's a it's a decent course, and uh, I just I love I loved everything about the Chicago Marathon. I did it three times and just wow. I just loved it. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Now, were most of your five uh, Ks when you first started off? Were they all in Tucson, or did you travel around a little bit? Um, yeah, mostly Tulsa and like small towns around Tulsa, that sort of thing. I went, I did drive down to Oklahoma City once for a 5K because <laughs> they had, there is a finisher medal. That well, of was course, mine. it's all about the medal. Right. It was between that one and like one in Tulsa, but the one in Tulsa didn't have a finisher medal. So I'm like, well, we're going to Oklahoma City. <laughs> That's right. Because you got to have that medal. I think what you mentioned when you were down there, when you were working, you would do 48 hours straight and then you would have five days off and that gave you an opportunity to do these races. Yes. After I did two years in Tulsa at that on that ambulance service, because that was my contract. And then I changed jobs um, and then worked out here in Vanita for five years. Um, but out here in Vanita, I did the Worked 48 hours with five days off, and that was, like, the perfect schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah. For a runner, so, that's that's glorious. Yep. So, Venita, where is that in perspective to Tulsa? It's about an hour east of Tulsa and about 45 minutes west of Joplin, Missouri. Okay. Tornadoes out there, huh? Oh, Yeah. Coming into that season here now, too, aren't you? Yes. Joy, oh, joy. Joy, oh, joy. <laughs> Did you have to deal with uh, anything as a paramedic for 
any did they send you over to Joplin when they had that horrific tornado? No, that was the summer I moved out here. Oh, okay. So I was like driving and I'd see all the signs for the people coming to help. And I I was like, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. There's tornadoes out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it's flat and there's nothing out there. They just they just yeah. appear out of nowhere. And uh, yep. they're, they're so devastating. You know, out here in Hawaii, we're like a needle in the haystack. If you look at a map of we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and we're just little dots out here. And. Every year we worry, you know, about hurricanes coming through and they usually shift, um, you know, off away from the island. We had a couple of scares last year and there was some that created some damage uh, to the big island and a little bit to Maui, but not in the area that I live. I live in South Maui, a town called Kihei. Um, so we're always worried, you know, at some point you you lose your odds are, are reducing at some point you're going to get hit with something. And then, you know, we also have the tsunami threat because there's a lot of uh, earthquakes over in Japan and Philippines yeah. and all of that. And every time there's a major earthquake, uh, there's a, an alert, a tsunami alert, and then they usually cancel it, you know, shortly after, but you know, something's going to get us out here someday, I'm sure. And so Vanita, w- when did you move over there? Um, well, I've been work. I worked out here like a few years before I ever even moved out here. I would drive from Tulsa. Oh, all the way down or east to the Veneta. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. All right. So, so you've, you've done your races. How many, do you have a a approximate amount of uh, total races you think you've done? Well, it's more than 50, but I haven't counted in a couple years either. I keep all my bibs and all that stuff. So, well, you, do you have a I Love Me room where you have everything hanging, your your medals <laughs> and your bibs and your pictures okay. and mementos? Oh, yeah. If you've been a longtime runner, you got to have an I Love Me room. That's right. So you, you were doing all this. Life was good. Paramedic, loving your job, doing mm-hmm. the running, loving your, your running and all the stuff that you were doing. And then on January 23rd of last year. Your life changed. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that day and how it started and what happened? Um, well, my, um, well, my auntie and I have been partners on the ambulance for about two years and he was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. He also had PTSD really bad. Um, and not Were you very, friends outside of being paramedics, just out of curiosity. Um, friends less in like family, you know, mm-hmm. not like dating or whatever. No, no, no. I didn't mean dating, oh. but just, you know, like you'd sometimes hang outside of work. Right. We'd go to the drive in, you know, theater in Tulsa and, you know, watch a movie or, you know, have a get together at somebody's house or, you know, cause we were basically one big family. So when he found out the cancer was back the second time, he asked me if I would move to be closer to him to help him through the cancer fight. And he lived 30 minutes east of Vanita. So like an hour and a half from Tulsa where I was. And, um, so he asked me to move closer to, you know, help him through that. And I was like, sure, it's what, you know, good friends do. So I moved down there, you know, things were going fine and honky dory. Um, January 23rd, he, uh, well, hang on back up the day before. So the 22nd, I had to take him to the emergency room because he was complaining of chest pain and he lost vision and. I think it was his left eye. And, of course, now I know it was from the stress because he knew what he was going to do. But anyway, so January 23rd, um, I was just chilling out in my apartment watching TV. And he uh, texted me and said he was going to stop in just, you know, say hi or whatever. And I'm like, okay. So 
I just had like a little tiny TV that would, you know, just sitting on the floor. And um, I was laying on the floor watching TV and he came in. We talked a little bit. And then the next thing I knew, I was basically holding my head and screaming. Um, had no he had idea what just happened. Right. You know, and like, not really like out of body experience, but like, you, like, I didn't hear myself screaming initially. Um, but when I like started to calm down a little bit, then I realized I was screaming <laughs> and started to realize what had happened. And my first thought was, um, that maybe he was having a flashback, um, and thought I was somebody else, you know, cause I'm thinking, why would he even do this to me? And, um, so then he was like, um, you know, hold still, don't move. And I thought he was going to like throw me in the back of his truck and we were going to go to the emergency room. Um, did you know that, that he did this or did you think maybe somebody else came in and did that at that time? No, I just, I knew it was him. Hmm. I just didn't know why, you know, mm-hmm. or if he was in his right mind or not, or well, obviously it wasn't in his right mind, but as far as like a flashback or whatever. So then he's like, hold still, don't move. And I'm thinking because of like, you know, our medical training, spinal injuries, don't move. Well, of course, now I know he was getting ready to shoot me again. And that's why he told me to not move. Um, So another gunshot happened, you know, the same reaction. Don't realize I'm screaming to like start calming down or whatever. And then, uh, I think he, at that point, of course, this is all, uh, speculation, right. Speculation. Um, but I think at that point he panicked cause he didn't think I would, you know, still be kicking <laughs> and he picked up a, picked up a baton stick and, um, I was holding my head with my hands trying you know, well, normal reaction and control bleeding and you know whatever but he took up up the picked up the baton stick and started beating my hands in my head with it until it broke and i think the only reason he stopped then was because he thought i was like fixing to be dead because he was all he was known for carrying at least one probably two or more guns on him at all times even at work and you know, so it's like, and he had more than two bullets, you know, he carried more than two bullets. Yeah. So it's like, why, why not a third shot? You know, so that's, I mean, that's why we, I mean, that's what we think. Were you able to clearly think at that point or were you suffering trauma at that point and just had no idea everything was a blur? Oh, I remember it all. Um, he left and I started, started crawling around the floor looking for my phone. Cause I was going to call 911. Cause my thought was, I'm not going to die here by myself. And I sure ain't going to die without a fight. So, well, I couldn't find my phone later found out he had, he, he took it with him and destroyed it along with his cell phone. But so anyways, I couldn't find it. So I'm like, okay, what now? Plan B. So I knew the neighbor right below me was home most of the time. So I was like, well, there we go. So I went outside, you know, I stayed crawling because I knew I'd probably pass out and whatever else if I stood up. So I crawled outside, crawled down the stairs and then to the neighbor's door. And I, of course, knocked on the door. He came to the door, totally freaked him out. And I'm like, understandably so. Right, right. And I was like, can you call 911 for me? And so, of course, he did. He stayed with me till police got there. Um, and meantime, okay, so I was wearing my hoodie from my half marathon in Montana at when this happened. And, you know, I'm kneeling there on the sidewalk, holding my head, waiting for help to get there. 
And my thoughts are, wow, I'm glad I'm not wearing my Chicago Marathon hoodie because otherwise I'd have to go change because I knew I would never see the Montana hoodie again. <laughs> we're we're kind of a, a wired a little differently as runners. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's priorities, right? It is priorities. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, police got there and they were, I remember them trying to figure out how they were going to get me to the ambulance because it was still active shooter scene because they hadn't found him yet. And um, so I remember, like, neighbor was on one side and the police officer was on the other side and I just, you know, saw his boots and his pants and, you know, heard the conversation. And then that's like, that's all I remember until I woke up in the hospital. They said, though, I was like, talking in the ambulance and could answer questions i'm like oh okay well hope i didn't say anything you know crazy but then they said that i had a seizure in the ambulance um and then i i got intubated in the ambulance and then they flew me by helicopter to uh joplin missouri so and then i woke up with a tube down my throat which made me mad I can imagine. So you, I, I got to believe that most, if not every person probably would have not have survived this, but because you had your EMS uh, background, paramedic background, you know, you knew how to handle a situation like that and you applied it in this, this situation. Yes, that helped. That helped tremendously because you know, not just like the first aid stuff, like, you know, putting pressure on a wound, but just staying calm, you know, in a horrible situation, you know, because, I mean, we go on to, you know, different calls and stuff and, you know, there'd be blood and guts everywhere and you have to stay calm and take care of the patient, right. you know, so, I mean... And that training just kicked in automatically. And, you know, I never panicked. I never, like, I don't know, whatever. But <laughs> I just stayed calm and I was like, this is what I have to do. And then, you know, kneeling there on the sidewalk when everything I could do had been done, it was like, I told myself, okay, you're done. You need to shut up and let them do their job instead of trying to tell them how to do it. <laughs> let them take care of you right? instead of you trying to take care of you. Right. <laughs> Did, um, you know, what's also amazing about this. And, and as I was reading through all your stuff and listening to your story is that in most cases, uh, that's pretty severe to have gunshot wounds to your head and in the brain and, all of that, and for you to remain conscious and alert and knowing what to do, you were very lucky. Yep, very much so. And then I know that it's probably in your back of your head today, um, probably goes through your head that you're never going to have an answer why this all happened. All right. So you're in the hospital, and by the way, I... Thank you for sharing that story because you went a lot more in depth than um, yeah. that w was in there. And, and I know that, you, you know, you relive this a lot in your head, but thank you for sharing yeah. that with everybody. I appreciate it. Um, so you're in a hospital and you wake up and you got a tube down your throat and you're mad because you have a tube down your throat. What were, what were your, what was going through your head at that particular time? Um what did you think? I mean, uh, most of us would probably be scared to death not knowing what was going to happen ever past that. Yeah. Well, I w woke up mad because, well, the tube was down my throat, but as a paramedic, it's a pet peeve of mine that if you sedate somebody and intubate them, that you better keep them sedated. <laughs> You know, no waking up with a tube down your throat until you're ready for them to wake up. So, 
it happened several times. I woke up and, you know, then I'd take another nap. But so eventually they did take the tube out and all that jazz. But um, after that, everything's like super fuzzy. You know, I remember, you know, bits and pieces, but um, like a lot of people from work were there. My bosses were there. I mean, I remember like when my two of my bosses came to see me, I told them I wasn't going to, you know, be able to make my shift the next time around. <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and like, my sister was on her way out here, but I guess I, I don't really remember this part, but she said that she called and I talked to her on the phone for a little bit. And, uh, she said, she asked me how I was and I was like, feel like I got hit by a Mack truck. And then she said there was a pause. And then I said, or got shot in the head. <laughs> and she said that at that point she knew I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, because your sense no. of humor did not take, did not leave you. You kept that sense of humor, right? And so I don't know exactly when she got there, but um, she was there. You know, the week or I was in there for eight days, so she was there till I got discharged. But um, yeah, she says that I gave the nurses, you know, kept them on their toes and. <laughs> stuff so like the neurosurgeon came in one time and I asked him when I could start training for my next marathon <laughs> and he looked at you and said really <laughs> right and he like he didn't know what to say so he fumbled around and he was like well maybe in three months <laughs> well you know um what, what I was reading you were in the hospital you you were in there for around eight days after yep. the incident Mm-hmm. And then not too long afterwards, which this is amazing. It's, it's in my opinion, just about a miracle. You did a 5K. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the hospital, the physical therapist brought me a, a walker and it has like the armrest on it. Because, um, of course, my hands and arms are totally bandaged up, too. And, uh. They said that once I had that walker, there was no stopping me. So, of course, they sent me home with a similar walker. And that 5K I did was, it's my running anniversary race, the Sweetheart Run. I do that one every year. But originally went home with a couple co-workers since I couldn't, you know, be by myself and all that jazz. But, um, and so I told them, I was like, I am doing this 5K. And she was like... Well, we'll see. And, of course, he's like, you're not doing no flipping 5K. <laughs> you just got shot in the head. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this 5K. So, you know, I'd go out. Of course, it's freezing outside. I'd go out in the garage with my walker and go round and round and round the car <laughs> until I was, you know, exhausted. That's amazing. That really yeah. is. And then, uh, so I would, I got my time up where I could go like 30 40 minutes and um because I'm stubborn but and obviously hard-headed um so but uh so the day came and one of my uh nurse friends out here at the little hospital and here in Venita um she came and picked me up and we went and did the 5k oh hang on back up so my primary doctor he's a former runner so he gets this whole you know insanity thing and so I told him you know I'm doing this 5k and he's like okay but you have to have obviously do it with your walker and he's like but you have to have friends with you someone has to be pushing a wheelchair and there's a couple other things I had to you know do or whatever to get him to let me do this right so I think I had like seven or eight friends walking with me. Somebody was pushing a wheelchair. You know, every time there was a little bump in the road, somebody was like, there's a bump. You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was probably bigger than even the first 5K. Probably bigger than the 
first marathon too. When you cross mm-hmm. the finish line at that race, yeah, I can't even imagine what was going through yep. your head. What was I? My friend, nurse friend Julie, she and I like hugged each other, and I would like you know, you know, like the body jerks that you do, like right before you start sobbing your eyes out. Mm-hmm. Well, I started doing that and she's like in my ear, she's like, don't cry, don't cry. Or I'm going to cry too. And of course, everybody yeah, cried. Both, yeah. <laughs> like to sobbing, whatever. Was there a lot right of spectators there? at the finish cheering you on too? Oh yes. I can imagine that. That yeah, would have been, I would have came out if I wasn't a runner, I would have came out to see that. That would have been <laughs> just, a magical moment right there. Yeah. Um, you're a writer. And yes. uh, you, I, I know that you, you clear your head in ways by writing poems. And yes. you have it up on Facebook. And I'm going to put the link, with your permission, put the link up there so people can read some of this. It's, it's okay. up to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so as I was reading some of your poems, and I want to read one of them. It looks like from the time that you went through your incident and your recovery, you've gone through some major peaks and valleys. And it looks like the, you, you probably had done a lot of these poems prior to May 10th, but just decided to put a lot of them online on May yeah. 10th. And it kind of, it really kind of shows where you were at at the time, one of the one of the poems that I liked, and it was one of your early releases, and I don't know how soon after the incident this happened, but it was called "Let It Go," mm-hmm. and it said, "If I, I'd like to read it real quick, if that's okay." Yeah, that's fine. It says, "Let it go when you discover the truth about someone. When you find that someone close to you wasn't who they claimed. When your heart severely hurts with emotional pain, let it go." When those who claim to love you refuse to be by your side in troublesome times, when they are full of excuses as to why they cannot be there, when they are only after the drama and personal attention that they think they will get from it, let it go. When the worst possible tragedy happens to you and you survive, when you wish you could have done more to help, when your heart breaks for the whole situation, let it go. When sleep is rough, Fight every night when the nightmares trouble your soul, when the minds replay the event are constant, let it go. I cannot change the past. I cannot change people's choices and decisions. I cannot change the outcome, but I can let it go. When I was reading that, what I what I felt was, and and, and as I was reading several of your other other poems, um. It seems like you had a lot of support, but I also got some negativity that people were putting you down. And I, I don't understand that. Can you can you tell me where that was all coming from? Yeah. Um, like people here in Oklahoma have been absolutely incredible through this. And even still now, um, my extended family, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, have been incredible. Um, my parents, on the other hand, they live in Montana and, um, they refuse to come down to the hospital. Put it that way. Um, they were told multiple times from the ICU nurses to my bosses, to my sister, how grave my situation was and that the doctors didn't expect me to survive. Um, and even to this day, their excuses are that they were supposedly, they claim they were told that it was just abrasions in the back of the head and some broken fingers. Well, you don't get intubated on a vent in ICU for abrasions to the back of the head. Right. You know, and my dad was a medic in the Air Force, so, you know, he gets it. Um, my mom has had surgery, so she gets it. So it's almost, so it was just, you know, it's all excuses is what it is. So that's where a lot of the hurt and the pain come from. Cause 
you know, when you go through something like that, you would think that certain people would be there for you. And then when they aren't, you know, but sometimes I mean, when, when you have, and I am so sorry that, you know, you're, you're struggling with so much at that time, physical recovery, mental recovery, because I'm sure, you know, aside from, um, you know, why, I mean, it's, there's a lot of mental involved in your recovery process, but to have somebody that is supposed to be very close and supportive of you isn't, that's got to be hard. And I, I'm so sorry that, that, you know, that happened because sometimes that's something like that seems to wipe out all the good that happens. Just that little, that little right. thing there. So, um, no, but you find out going through something like this, you find out who, you know, is, is truly there for you. And like people came out of the woodwork here to help me, you know, the community put on a 5k and a bake sale and silent auction and Bonnie strong 5k they put on for you. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, and it's just like, even now, even, but like from day one of this, Every time I needed something or, you know, I don't know, was running low on money for medication or um, needed a ride to Tulsa for, you know, physical therapy and doctor's appointments, everything has been, like, taken care of. You know, even, like, um, there's been a couple times I, you know, I'm stuck at physical therapy because I forgot to, you know, find a ride home. And so I'd start texting people and be like, can somebody come get me? And like within 10 minutes, I'd have a ride, you know? So it's like, that's just been totally incredible. That's wonderful. Communities are so amazing when something happens on how they support. And I am so glad that that is how you are in your community. Yeah. Um, that Bonnie Strong 5K, that sounds like it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. It was a blast. It was like stupid, crazy cold, but... Um, well, you live in a stupid, crazy cold area. <laughs> right? Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, that was... I think it was... Yeah, it was April when we did that. So, yeah, yeah, it was April 20th or April 14th. Is that yeah. an annual thing or was that just a one-time? Oh, it was a one-time thing. People from the hospital started talking about doing it, and then they're like, "What should we name it?" And told me I had to design the T-shirts and or pick what color. And I'm like, "Uh, green, hello, my favorite color." You know, people chipped in to help and or donated stuff for the silent auction or baked goodies for the bake sale. Street department guy was like, "I got this covered. We'll block roads and got the fire guys to help and." It was amazing. Oh, I can imagine that, you know, those, that's what you need. That helps so much when that happens. I can't, can't imagine how you felt. Yeah. You, you, you now, when you run, um, you have a theme and it's (laughs) Wonder Woman and you wear, you know, your Wonder Woman garb. How did that all come about? Uh (laughs) Um, It's my friend's fault. Um, people here and just friends around the country basically started calling me Wonder Woman. And um, just because of what I've been through and pulled through and all that. But um, so that's, I don't know, that's how that got started. So I just, I guess I just kind of went with it. Was that right after or did that uh, progress more recently? The Wonder um, Woman theme. It started in the hospital. Oh, wow. So after you, you did your first 5K, you didn't, did you do that 5K, your your 5K, uh, Bonnie Strong? Yes. Okay, so you did that. And then you've done races since then. But um, last March, you had a major, major accomplishment. And you ran the Tucson, or I'm sorry, you ran the Little Rock, Arkansas Marathon. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this last March, that was absolutely amazing, incredible, and yeah, my friend Julie went with, she like walked with me, and then I have a friend Liz that she takes me to appointments on Mondays, but 
she was our chauffeur because Julie and I were like, there's no way we're driving home. <laughs> we need a driver. So Liz drove us. But um, the cool thing is, is that if this had never happened, Julie would have never done a full marathon. Because mm. she vowed she would never do a full marathon. And so then originally signed up for the Little Rock Marathon. I was supposed to do it March of 2018. But of course, that wasn't going to happen. So I did defer it. So when it got to be the time of you really have to train, <laughs> there's no, you know, there's no procrastinating right now. When I got to that point, um, I asked Julie if she would do it with me. <laughs> and of course she said yes, but she told me later, she's like, there probably isn't anything that I wouldn't do for you right now. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I'm gonna have to remember that. But um. So we did the marathon in eight hours and 11 minutes. You did it in eight hours and 11 minutes. Exactly. Yes. And you you know what? Uh, First of all, kudos to your friend for for being (laughs) there for you. But uh, it's all about the medal. And I don't think you can get a bigger medal than the Little Rock, Arkansas (laughs) Marathon. You got that right. Three pounds of that sucker. That is amazing. I, I I did Little Rock and... My medal is tiny compared to what they give out nowadays. Well, you might just have to come back and do it again. No, 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 no. (laughs) Maybe unless you do it, then I'll I'll hang with you and do it that way. But no, I am not training for another marathon. I've done it for (laughs) 28 years of my life and I'm I'm giving back. Now I'm the giver. I'm giving back to the running community. They did so much for me when I was... When I was doing it, but that's remarkable. <laughs> I, you know, and you, I think you mentioned, or what I read was you were physically able to run the first six miles and then the rest of it you did um, with help. No, I walked the whole thing. Okay. Like, I can't, I can't run at all right now. Mm-hmm. And, but I can, well, it depends on what day it is, but I can do like up to six or seven miles. Without my walker. Otherwise, I have to use my walker. Okay. So you you actually, you walked the whole entire marathon? Yes. So running has been really a nucleus for you. And in some ways, or maybe many ways, running has actually saved your life. Yes, very much so. Um, back when I first started running, I was going through my divorce. And so that gave me, well, one re- one big reason, you know, to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and so at that point, I started the habit of always having at least one race that I'm already signed up for to keep, you know, the motivation going. And then, of course, when January 23rd happened, um, a lot of the time running was, I won't. I won't say the only thing, but in a, in certain, we'll say in certain moments, it was the only thing that gave me a purpose, you know, in the dark, dark moments. Because, you know, like Little Rock Marathon, um, I had something to look forward to and push myself towards. Like if I didn't have that going through the last year, you know, who knows what would have happened. I know it would have been a lot, a lot more tough to deal with, you know. I think you said one thing in there that uh, I caught, which is it gave you a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yep. Huge purpose. That is so great. You got to look back, Bonnie, and look at your, where you were, you know, that day you suffered a a seizure, a stroke, you had Mm -hmm. broken fingers, you were in the hospital didn't know what your future was going to be like. I mean, I, you probably are still, you know, have a long road ahead of you, but, but what you have done as far as your determination and will and, and just saying three things that I, I wrote down that you, you say is that you, you never give up, go big or go home. But I thought what well, was really cool and we should all live by too is instead of taking big chunks out, five minutes at a time. Yep. 
And by doing all of this and thinking that way and thinking positive and using all the positivity of the people that are in your life that are positive, you're making these major milestones that are so inspirational to, to runners and non-runners alike. And, you know, we're, we're all, I mean, I'm just blown away and thankful for you. And I'm sure so many other people are thankful for you. Our problems are nothing at all when we look at your story. They're not. And so I appreciate you, Bonnie. And like, obviously I never would have chosen this to happen to me. I had, you know, I was going to be a paramedic on the ambulance for another 20 years or whatever in my book. But, you know, opportunities have come up because of this, because I would have been through that never would have, you know, happened otherwise. And I've been able to, to use my story to encourage other people and, you know, even just walking with my walker in a, whatever race I'm doing, people are just encouraged by that, not even knowing the story behind it. So through this, I've had, you know, had trouble finding a purpose. And in my head, I would have this conversation with myself and I'd be like, well, I can't be on the ambulance. I can't do this. I can't do that. What's the point? Why am I still here? And a big, big reason is so that, you know, I can use my story to help and encourage other people. So, you know, that's been it's like a huge thing for me. Well, it, it certainly is resonating out there because some guy in the middle of the Pacific Ocean found your story and is propelling it to others that are listening. And I know, I know for a fact that people will be inspired by, by this whole, this whole conversation. So to our listeners out there, Bonnie, based on what you have gone through and, you know, I know a lot of people out there are probably going through their own issues now. What would be some words of encouragement you would give other people? Um, well, not to like say the same thing, but, or what I've said in the past, but, you know, it really is five minutes at a time, you know, cause in the dark, dark moment, I was like, you know, you keep looking to tomorrow or next week and you're, you're thinking I can't get there, but if you like zero in and you're like, well, I can make it through five minutes. And if you need to, it's one minute, but I can do five minutes. And then after that five minutes, it's okay. I can do another five minutes, you know, and it doesn't matter what you're going through. Someone else's dark moment might not be your darkest moment, but I mean, we're all going through stuff and basically no matter what you're going through, you know, it's one foot in front of the other and, you know, you can do it. I mean, I've gone through the worst thing ever in my life. Hopefully it's the worst thing ever, but, <laughs> you know, and I'm far beyond where the doctors thought I would ever be. You know, it's being stubborn and it's being determined and, but it's, it's just not giving up. It might, like one day you might not have the determination, but you know, you're not going to give up. And so you just, you know, what's that five minutes at a time, five minutes at a time mm-hmm. and never give up. That's, uh, yep. that's, that's very well said, very well <laughs> said. And Bonnie, it's, it's, let's stay in touch. It's been such an honor to have met you and to have had an opportunity to have a conversation with you. And I, uh, probably on behalf of all the people that are listening to this podcast today or whenever they're listening to it, it could be five years from now, I don't know, but uh, we all wish you the very best and continued recovery to get back. And uh, we're all anticipating when we can see you actually running out there. Well, thank you very much. This has been an incredible experience. Well, you're an incredible person. And uh, 
you touched touched my life. I'll tell you that. So thank you for coming on. So how about Bonnie, huh? She lives just a different life than all of us now, but she keeps pushing forward. She really does. Be sure to order her biography, The Making of a Wonder Woman, and you can get it on Amazon. There's a link to it in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. Just love this woman. All right, it's time for the quote of the episode, and this was in the original episode, and it's from Bonnie, and it goes like this. Take each day five minutes at a time. Don't ever give up and go big or go home. One more time. Take each day five minutes at a time. Don't ever give up and go big or go home. And Bonnie is definitely going big. And I am so very proud of her. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. If you would please consider sharing this with your running friends and on your social media platforms, I would definitely appreciate it. So runners, enjoy yourselves. Keep on running. Keep moving forward. And remember to always be kind to everyone, even when some are not kind to you. The world is a scary place these days. It really is. It's it's a scary place. So we just plain need to be kind to everyone. Do our part. All right. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and on your social media platforms. To access the show notes that included all the resources and links for this episode and to access past episodes, go to feelgoodrunning.com. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good. Thank you.